We're back to the book of Revelation. We've been going through a book that to many is confusing. There's lots of symbolic things that are given. There's lots of uh, future things that are talked about. And a lot of times, Revelation's just kind of put out there and, and unknown. Uh, but we saw that as we began the book of Revelation that Jesus says, hey, this is a revelation about me. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So if there's anything that we need to know about the book of Revelation, it's that it's about Jesus. And we began the book by seeing how awesome Jesus was, that he is absolutely God. He's the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. There's no other God besides Jesus Christ. He's with the Father and the Spirit, and they together have been working out this plan of salvation. And so as this vision is coming to John... John sees this awesome Jesus before him. He falls down as though dead, but Jesus extends his right hand to John. And he says, don't fear. He says, I died, but now I'm alive forevermore. And he was extending life to John, forgiveness. And he does that to us as well. Well, the book goes on, and and we've been picking up as, as the letters being written to seven churches that were in what are modern-day Turkey, and this letter is going to be given to them, but each of them have a small little section, a letter that's addressed to them. And so today we're going to get the sixth of the seven letters to the churches. Today we're going to get to the letter to the church at Philadelphia. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, we're going to pick up in verse 7. And each of these letters, as they begin, just like we begin our letters, like dear so-and-so, and we go on, and then it's signed, Each of these letters start with, hey, this is from Jesus, and his words are good and true. And it starts that way, talking about who Jesus is. We find in verse 7, it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens, and no one will shut, and who shuts, and no one opens. So Jesus begins by saying, hey, I'm the Holy One. And I'm the true one. I'm set apart and I have no sin and I don't tell lies. I'm writing to you a letter that you can trust. I'm writing you from the throne of heaven. I am Jesus and I'm sending you this word. But he talks about this key of David. And that might be a little confusing. A key of David. I've never heard of a key of David before. David to believers, to the early believers and especially Jews, would have seen David as the one who had been the greatest king of all of Israel. Under David's reign, Israel had great success. It had been a superpower of the day. And so when the Jews considered themselves having a great nation, a kingdom, they looked back to David and his kingdom. He was the great king, and they were hoping that again, one would come from the line of David, the Messiah, and that he would take Israel to those great heights again. Well, when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment from the line of David, but he didn't fulfill the kingdom according to a earthly nationalistic way for just the Israelites, just for the Jews, but he was setting up the kingdom of God. The promise that had been made to David was actually an extension into something that was much greater than those humans had imagined. And so Jesus says, all of life is the reality of this. There are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of heaven and there is the dominion of darkness. And the question is, are you a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom over which Jesus is the king under the lineage of David, under the appointment of his father, 
Or are you a part of the dominion of darkness whereby you follow the ways of the world? Your father is Satan, the father of lies, and you follow your own passions, and that will all lead you into death and destruction. Which kingdom are you a part of? Now, Jesus says he has the keys to the kingdom of David. That is, that he's the one in control. He's, he's the king that everybody had been hoping for for the kingdom of heaven. But he says, as a result of him having the key, he can open doors that nobody can shut. And he can shut doors that nobody can open. See, he is in control. How do you get out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of heaven? The only way between the barrier that separates those two things, that is sin and death, the only way through that is through Jesus. He has the key. That's why it's important that he said, I have the key of David. I'm the king. I have the key. Now, our family, every time we come home, this without fail happens. We open our garage door, which I'm the one who has that key. I have a little button in my car, or maybe if Katie's driving, we have that button. We, we, we open it. There's nobody in the back of the car that can open it, right? I open it, it opens. We go in. We drive the car in. We turn off the car. And then this happens almost every time. There is a mad scramble out of the back of our van. <laughs> and there's three kids who want to be the first in that house, whether it's to see the dog first, see the cat first, get to the snacks first, whatever it is. They get to the TV. I don't know what it is, but they are blowing out that van and they get up to the inner door that goes from the garage into the house. And all three of them charge to that door. And you know what happens every time? The door's locked, right? That door is shot. No, Nobody can open it except the one who has the key. And so even though there might be people who say, we want to charge in there, we want to be the first in there, there's things on the other side that we desire and want, the only way that they can get in there is if the person with the key comes along and says, I've opened the door. And the door I open means you can go. I'm giving you permission to go through this door. Now, if the one with the key says, you're not getting in the door, guess what? You're not getting in that door, at least in my house. And Jesus says, you know what? I've got the key and you're not getting in that door. I am the one who opens it and lets you in. I'm the one who shuts it and keeps people out. So if you want in that kingdom, I'm it. Amen. So that's what it begins. He begins the letter by saying, I've got the keys. I'm holy and I'm true. And now here's the letter that he's writing to the Philadelphians. Here's what he wants them to know. He says, verse 8, I know your works. Behold, I've set before you an open door which no one's able to shut. So that's good. The letter to Philadelphia is actually a good letter. It's one of two letters to these churches where he doesn't say anything bad to them. He says to them, I've seen what you've been doing. And now guess what? Since I'm the key holder, I've got to let you know something. I've opened the door for you, and I've opened it wide. And I'm not going to let anybody shut it. What he's saying is, I'm welcoming you, and I've brought you into my kingdom, and there's no taking you out of it. When you're in Christ, when you've been saved by him, and you're with him, there is no one, as it says in John 10, who can snatch you out of his hand. There is nothing that can take you. You are secure in Christ. And Jesus says that to the church of Philadelphia. I have opened the door and there is no one who will shut the door. Because I know that you're with me. I know that you're with me. I've seen your works. I know that you're with me. He goes on and says, I know that you have but little power. And yet you've kept my word. And have not denied my name. You ever feel like, well, I'm not, I'm not strong enough of a person to be that much influence for Christ. What can I do? I don't have much money. I don't have much education. I'm not very old or I'm too old or whatever it is that you might say or anybody else say that you, 
that says, like, how could you ever be a contribution to the kingdom of heaven? You know how you can be a contribution? Hold on to Christ and his word. Don't let anybody rob that from you. And you just live for Jesus and do whatever he tells you to do. And you might think, well, I'm of little power. I'm of little power. That's okay. You know why? You're with the one who has all the power. That's the key. And so he tells the church of Philadelphia, I know you're of little power, but you held to my word. That's what's important. No one's going to snatch you out. I've got you. He goes on and says this, Behold, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they're Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you because you've kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Within their town, there was a group of Jews. It sounds like they had a synagogue, or maybe he's just saying that there's a group of them that call themselves the house of God, basically the house uh, that, that knows them, because they're saying, we're Jews. And what God has said in his scripture is, hey, no, I get to say who's my family. In Galatians chapter 3, it says, it is those who have faith who are children of Abraham. It's those who say, I just believe that Christ has died for me. And I believe that if I pray for forgiveness and he does that miraculous work in my heart, that I am his. Those are the ones who are Jews. Those are the ones who are true Israelites. Those are the ones who have faith and will live forever. So he says, there's the synagogue of Jews who aren't really Jews at all because they actually don't believe in Jesus. And I see that they've been coming against you. They've been, they've been actually persecuting you. But I've noticed this. You've endured. You've stood up under it. You haven't let people push you around. You've kept your eyes on me. And he goes on and says this. I'm coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. You know when you go to the fair and there's been kids who for the entire night, not only have they wanted their parents to buy them a corn dog or a fritter or whatever it is, there's all those delights, right? But also they want to play the games, right? They want to go knock down the bottles and they want to throw the rings on, onto the bottles and they want to do all those things. Why? Why do they want to do those things? Because just they're fun? Why do they want to do those things? For the what? For the prize! I mean, you can't resist going by the, the games at the fair or at the carnival because not only is there a task, but if you achieve that task, on the other side, you see prizes that blow your mind. They have teddy bears that are as large as me. They have candy bags that, I mean, would rival Halloween. I mean, the prize on the other side is glorious, right? And so the kids, they go and they play these games. And if they win they get that prize. Now, what happens to that prize the rest of the fair? Yeah, the parents tow it around. But a lot of times, you'll see those kids, and they will not let it out of their grasp, right? They hold on to it because they've earned it, and it's precious to them, and they love it for the next week until something else comes along. But they love it. As they go around, they do not let go of the prize. And now that we have the prize, as we have this crown of life that Jesus has given, don't let anybody rob that from you. Don't let anybody take your prize. Who's your prize? Jesus. Don't let them take Jesus from you. 
hold on to him and hold on to his life, hold on to his love, hold on to his forgiveness, hold on to his peace, hold on to his hope, hold on to everything that is Jesus and don't let anybody take it away from you. Why? It was earned for you. You didn't play the game at the carnival. Jesus played the game with his blood. He earned for you that prize. So don't let anybody steal it from you. He goes on and says, the one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I'll write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So he says, not only hold on to me in this prize, this crown of life that you have. But when the end comes, this thing that you're enduring for, and when I come back and I bring you to myself, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you a pillar. I'm going to make you a pillar. Now, if you go out front of our church here, we've got a porch, and out on the edges of them are pillars, right? Those things are sure and stable. You do not want to take those things away. Pillars are important to the structure of a building. They are steadfast and they stay. And so Jesus says, I'm going to make you a pillar in my kingdom. You will be there and steadfast. No one's going to take you away. You are going to be set. And I don't think that means you're just going to be like this for all of eternity. It means that you're going to be present and your presence is going to stay. You get to be with God forever. And he says, in addition to that, not only will you be a pillar, but he's going to write the name of his God on you. He's going to write the uh, the name of the city, Jerusalem, the city of peace, on you and as well he's going to take his own new name and write that on you what's that all about one of the things that we noticed culturally that was different when we moved from seattle to north carolina is that people in north carolina and maybe this is throughout the south i don't know i haven't traveled enough yet to to know but you love to monogram things at least the women do right you monogram everything you got a scarf you monogram it you get a t-shirt from Relay for Life, you monogram it, right? You got an SUV, you monogram it. You get a pocket knife, you monogram it. You got a cake, you monogram it. You monogram everything, right? And I was confused at the first because I always thought monograms, you know, and this is everywhere. I just thought it was JKH, Jason Keith Hudson, but it, it's JK Big H, right? You know? You got you to gotta monogram it right. I was confused. But you take your monogram, you're taking your name and you're stamping it on everything that you own, right? You can come along to, uh, you know, at school when I'm seeing who's there for pickup. I know when Shelly Johnson is picking up her kids because on the back of her SUV, it has her monogram. She stamped it. That's her SUV. I know it. It's not anybody else's. It's hers. And so when you're with God as a pillar forever, he stamps his monogram on you. It consists of three names. It has God's name, the name of his city, and the name of Jesus, which will be his new name. And that will be stamped on you. Why? To show his ownership. He has you. He owns you. You're his. You will not be given up. And it's important that you are stamped with the names of God and his city so that you can be its resident. You know, we know what it is to have a name and have it stamped and have it secure and have your identification if you're to talk about your passport, right? Your passport is the thing that says you're a citizen. You're welcome here. You can move freely. You get to, you get to be a part of the citizenship. You are a resident. 
And one of the big debates now, even in our country, is what do you do with people who don't have the right documents, who don't have the right stamps on their thing, who don't have the name of America saying that they're a citizen? What do you do with those people? I'll tell you what happens in the kingdom of God. I'm not getting into politics, but I'll get into spirituality. If somebody tries to get into the kingdom of heaven without their passport, without themselves being stamped by the name of God, the city, and Jesus on them, guess what happens? You're out. In fact, they won't ever get in. Talk about building a big wall. There is a big wall. It's called God's justice. And the scripture says, if you have not called upon the name of the Lord and he has not covered you in his blood and forgiven you of your sin, then Jesus has the key and he will not let you into his kingdom. You will not be stamped. You will not have a passport. He does not have you on the roll call. As a result of your own sin, not anybody else's, as a result of your wickedness, not your environments, as a result of everything that you have done and stood for against Jesus, if you have not called upon his name, then you will stand there with your own record of sin before him and he will say, you are wicked and depart from me forever. And he will destroy you. How good is it that Jesus by his blood would look upon a people who have we so deserved to be cast out. And he would say, no, I want to capture you. I, 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 I want to almost trap you into my love. I want to secure you into my kingdom. I want to bring you into relationship with me. And I want you to live with me forever. And I don't want there to be any mistake about it that I was the one who let you in with my key and I put my name on you so that you're mine. You are mine. Now, that's not something that's like, that sounds kind of cold. You're mine. For many of you today, you opened up a card where somebody dear to you said, be mine. They may have pressed lipstick on it. Maybe doused it in some cologne. Maybe done something to put a mark on it to let you know it was from them. But when they say, be mine, they're not saying it in a cold manner, are they? When they're saying, be mine, they're saying, I love you. And I am committed to you. And for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for sickness and in health, I am yours. And so this morning, as we hold the word of God, church, this is your Valentine from Jesus. And I don't want to make him out to be just a spiritual boyfriend. That's weird and creepy. But this is his love letter to say, be mine. Like, I see what you've done. He sees if you've been wicked and he wants to help you. He sees if you've had a tough week and there's been sickness and there's been rough stuff in your job. And he says, be mine. He sees you if you've been enduring and you've been faithful and it's just, you just feel like you're barely hanging on. He says, be mine, I've got you. And this morning he wants to use the words that he sent to the church at Philadelphia to say to you, hold on, I've got this. I've got this. The garage door has gone up. The church van doors have been sprung open wide and we as a 
Children, we should be on the door of heaven banging and we just cannot wait to get there. We should be so eager. And thank God that He sent Jesus Christ to open that door. This morning, if you think that just by sneaking into the church van because you came to church or because your mom or your grandma or your granddaddy went to church that you somehow get to get in that church van and make it through the door, there's only one way you get through that door. And that's if in your heart you've said, Jesus, forgive me. I'm so sorry for my sin. And in that moment, the Holy One and the True One comes and washes away all your sin. The Scripture says He makes your heart which was dirty and filthy and ugly as beautiful and white as the snow. That's peace. That's something to hold on to. And when that happens, you are guaranteed not only to walk freely in this life as a child of God, but He says, you just wait till I got something big coming. I got something big coming. Hold on to Jesus. Don't let anything rob Him from you. And this love letter, don't get tired of reading it. Don't get tired of reading it. He loves you to death. Literally. So Father, we thank You for Your words to the church at Philadelphia, which You've said, if we have ears, we are to hear them as well. We thank You that You have not left us just to wander around aimlessly in this life, just trying to gratify the desires of our hearts according to our evil passions, which have done nothing for us but caused us heartache and misery and ultimately death. Lord, You snatched us up when we were in trouble and You've offered us forgiveness. And so Lord, we call upon Your name and we ask that You'd forgive us of our sins. We repent. Help us to turn from our wicked ways and to turn to You, Jesus. Help us to know that You're what's lasting. That Your kingdom is worth it. There is nothing in the entire universe that can compare to You. We're so grateful for what You've done. There's nothing in this world that can compare to You. We pray that You would use us to help administer that love to others, Lord. As You have been so kind to us, help us be kind to others. And there may be others, even in our community, that consider themselves to be part of the synagogue, part of what's right, part of even the church. But Lord, there's a lot of confusion as to what the church is. We pray that we would hold on to the truth of Jesus and take the truth of Jesus in love. Help us to do that in kindness, Lord, that we'd be sharing Jesus with those around us. We pray, Lord, that You would help us to endure. because We can't wait for that day when You open wide the door, the gates to eternity and You welcome Your bride home. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This morning, if you're unsure that you know Jesus, don't live not knowing. Come to the Lord today and just say that simple prayer. Lord, please forgive me. Watch what He does. You have absolute immediate peace in your heart. As well, if you've been with Jesus, but you recognize that, you know what, the life that I'm living does not live up to the name that is on me of Jesus Christ. 
then come to Him and repent of whatever sin might be in your heart. And today, if you just simply have a burden that you need to put down before Jesus and say, I'm of little power, but I need to trust in all of your power right now. Lord, please take this thing in my life and care for it. Then come and bring that to the Lord as well. We're going to sing together, and you're welcome to pray in your seats, and I want to open up the altar as well. We'll make another call, but you're welcome to come at any time.